Good morning. Good morning. Centuries ago, the psalmist said, this is the day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to Naples United Church of Christ. My name is Mark Williams and I'm the senior minister here. And welcome to all who are connecting with us for worship online, especially the communities at Bentley Village and Arbor Trace. A welcome to all. And I'm Reverend Angela Wells-Bean. I'm your minister for congregational care, and we are thrilled that you have chosen to spend your morning worshiping with us. The worship team can do everything we can to create the worship service, but it takes all of us to worship God together. So I echo Mark's welcome. Thank you for being here, um, and especially to those who are worshiping with us online, and I'd like to ask you to register your attendance with us. So if you're here in the sanctuary, you can take those blue attendance pads that are at the end of your pews, take a moment to fill it out and pass it to your neighbor and give them a smile while you do that. And if you're worshiping with us remotely, you can write in the comments section where you are this morning. We'd love to know how far and wide our message is reaching. And while you're there, you can click on a link which will pull up a PDF of our bulletin if you'd like to follow along in the service order. And a special welcome to everyone who is coming down from the north. If this is your first Sunday back this season, we're so glad to have you. I think our numbers are getting a little bigger each week, and it's just wonderful. I want to bring greetings from the wider church. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, no, excuse me, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I was up in Orlando for the Florida Conference Annual Gathering. And this is the annual meeting that happens every year where representatives from churches all across the state get together. Uh, We vote on boards and committees, uh, the annual budget, and we discuss things that affect our common life together as a denomination. And I was there with Mike Downs, a very active member of our church, assistant treasurer. Mike has been on the board of the Florida Conference for six years, so they celebrated his service. Um, And I also got to see Deb and David Kaiser Cross, and I bring greetings from them. And so it was just wonderful to be present among our wider partners and be reminded that sometimes we can feel like, you know, we're doing this all alone and we're an island, but we are not. We have UCC siblings and partner churches all across the country, and it was good to be in community with the ones in Florida just this past weekend. And a couple of announcements related to the missional life of our congregation. You'll note that our first Habitat Workday for this season has been scheduled for this coming Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. And all are invited to participate. There's a little bit more information about that in your bulletins. And our bargain box is in need of your donations. Many thanks to all in the congregation who have been generously supporting the bargain box of late. And many thanks to all who will be doing so. There is a drop-off location in the south parking lot of our campus. Thank you for your donations. And a few more things going on this week. On Tuesday at 4 p.m., the Environment Subcommittee is sponsoring a viewing of the PBS documentary Wild Florida, and it's all about the ecology and what's going on um, with the fragile environment here in our state. So if that interests you, join the Environment Subcommittee at 4 o'clock on Tuesday upstairs in Nelson Hall in 207. And then that evening, also on Tuesday at 4.30, is a social soiree. So 
If you want to connect with other members of our church and have a bite to eat, please go to Deep Lagoon at 4.30 on Tuesday. Uh, You can sign up in the gathering place or you can just appear at the restaurant because there is always room for one more. I have two more announcements to bring to your attention. This coming week, we have two very important memorial services in the life of our church. All memorial services are important, but we wanted to raise these to your awareness. The first one is for Teresa Brown, who passed away. Her memorial service is going to be on Thursday morning at 11 a.m., Teresa Brown. And then John Richardson, his memorial service is on Saturday the 21st at 2 p.m. So Teresa's is Thursday morning, John's is Saturday afternoon. Those dates and names are all in your bulletin and the prayer list. Um, So please do make time to attend those and help us celebrate the life of those incredible people. And now let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We worship a God whose peace surpasses our understanding. So let us let go of that which drags us down so that we have the freedom in Christ to lift our hearts and experience a measure of that peace. Come, let us worship. We unite our hearts and voices together in an invocation printed in our bulletins. I invite you to be in a spirit of prayer with me as I offer this morning's pastoral prayer. Let us pray. God of strength and might, we are so thankful that you have broad shoulders because you carry the prayers of all the people of this world. This morning, our scripture reminds us to lift up our prayers to you, and yet we pray that not all of our prayers are so heavy. The writer of the Philippians reminds us to lift up our prayers with thanksgiving. And so we thank you. Thank you for caring for us, for creating this incredible planet that we call home. Thank you for our health, our homes, our families, our friends, our church community. Thank you for everything that brings our lives meaning and joy. We keep on the forefronts of our minds those things that are pure and pleasing and commendable because sometimes, as you know, life is not so pleasant. And so we also lift up the prayers which do weigh heavily on our hearts. We pray for the loved one whom we are not getting along with. We pray for the medical teams who provide care for us and our family members. We pray for our siblings in the Middle East and for a de-escalation of conflict and for all the civilians, especially children, who are in harm's way. We pray for all the children around the world, those who are hungry, those who don't have access to the medical care that they need, those who are struggling with mental health issues. May they know they are never, ever alone and that they are held in your loving embrace. For all the children in our orbit and in our church, may they know your love through each of us and all the grown-ups in their lives. Holy and gracious God, you offer us the peace that surpasses all understanding, but it requires us to give up control, to admit that we don't know everything and we cannot orchestrate every outcome. When we get lost in our own thoughts, help us to step back 
to breathe and remember that you are in control and we need only to trust in you. Thank you. Thank you for loving us, for holding our prayers, and for lightening the burdens that we carry. We offer this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus, the risen Christ, who first taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning's scripture reading comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4. And if you've been attending Mark's Bible studies, Philippians might be familiar to you. If you'd like to follow along with the text, you're welcome to as the words are printed in your bulletins. So let us hear these sacred words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing these things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. May God bless our modern hearing of these ancient words. In recent days, war snuck up on us yet again, almost overnight. Our hearts ache alongside all in the Middle East who have experienced tragedy and loss of life. This past week, I had a very meaningful conversation with Rabbi Adam Miller in our local community, and I expressed to Rabbi Miller that all of us as a church family were praying for him and for the Jewish community here locally. And over the course of our conversation, he shared with me that even he too, Rabbi Miller, was a bit surprised by the suddenness of it all, that the world seemingly changed overnight. 
In listening to some of Rabbi Miller's reflections, I thought of another occasion over the course of American presidential history when overnight change was creating a lot of anxiety. It's a story about Harry Truman. Now, some of you can recall that when it comes to the American presidency, various different American presidents have had a whole lot of trouble sleeping at night in the White House. More recently, we've heard about this with both Donald Trump and Barack Obama, who have detailed their troubles sleeping in uh, various different memoirs and with the media. We also know that recently uh, Reagan, Clinton, and JFK all napped daily in the White House based on their struggles to go to sleep. But most historians would agree that over time, the president who had the most difficulty sleeping was in fact Harry Truman. Truman, of course, served during a time of international unrest, and he was very, very anxious at night about one of his advisors barging into his bedroom and sharing with him who had bombed who. Truman struggled to sleep and did everything he could to get a good night's rest, but kind of like we do as a last resort, Truman finally turned to his faith. And before going to sleep at night, his secret to finally getting some rest in the White House was to read each night Psalm 121, verse 4. The God of all creation will not slumber nor sleep. According to Truman, reminding himself that God was awake, that God would be up all night on top of whatever it was that was going on, that gave him a certain peace. It wasn't until I handed the universe back over to God, said Truman, that I received a peace, a peace that surpassed all understanding. Long before Truman experienced it, Paul said it about peace, that whenever we take what it is that is making us anxious, whatever we take what it is that is concerning us and hand it over to God in prayer and petition, God has a mysterious way of blessing us with a peace that is so good we cannot even comprehend it. Which perhaps begs the question, what recently has been keeping you up at night? A war? A worry? A concern that you have about the unknown future, a decision that you have to make, a conflict that you know is coming your way, some kind of fear that is off in the distance. What's keeping you up at night recently? If there's been something in your life that's been causing anxiety, keeping up at you up at night, I want you to hear the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi, words that we overhear at Naples UCC. You will be blessed with peace if you hand it over to God. Hand it over to God and a peace that you may not be able to even comprehend will come your way. Easier said than done. Easier said than done, especially if you're a person wired like I am. For when it comes to what I cannot control that's off in the future, I often say if an outcome is going to be, it's going to be because I am going to achieve that outcome. Or if something's going to happen off in the future, it's going to happen because I'm going to do it. Or if some door is going to open off in the future, it's going to be up to me and only me to open it. 
Admittedly, this is a very hard scripture for me to live. I'm reminded of the humorous, though most wise and astute quote from the great British theologian, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was fond of saying, the problem in our world is not that people believe there is no God. The problem in our world is that people believe there is a God and I am it. I mean, if it's going to happen off in the future, it's going to be because of me. I will tell you that when it comes to my own attempts at piety or when it comes to my own attempts to hand off what is bothering me over to God, I received some helpful advice some years ago by a Christian author by the name of Philip Yancey. Uh, Yancey grew up in Georgia, had a fundamentalist Christian background, and began to put the pieces together of his, in his faith in a, in a very powerful way. And he wrote a book entitled, Prayer Doesn't Make a Difference. And in a chapter of that book, he talked about what Paul was sharing with the church in Philippi. This idea of you take what it is that's making you anxious and you hand it over to God. And Yancey makes the claim that sometimes when we're praying, we often get distracted. And he asks the question, what if our distractions may be the key to our prayers? What if when we're praying and something comes into our mind and we get off track, that is not something to beat ourselves up over? What, it's, what if it's precisely that that we ought to be praying about? So, for example, says Yancey, you're in worship on Sunday morning, you're thinking about brunch afterwards and that very hard person that you're going to be at brunch with, and your mind starts to wonder, what if, what if you take that person and you hand that person over to God? Or you're praying a very thoughtful prayer in the evening before you go to sleep, and then suddenly in the midst of your prayer, you start to beat yourself up because you, your mind goes to the doctor's appointment uh, that's the next day, and did I fill out the paperwork right, and what's going to happen? What if it's the doctor's appointment that deserves your attention in prayer? Distractions may very well be the keys to our prayers. What's distracting you? And what if, if you handed it over to God, something might happen in your heart that you very much desperately need? As St. Augustine said many years ago, our hearts will always remain restless until they rest in God. Hand it over to God, and a peace comes that surpasses all understanding. In recent days, I read an excerpt about the black church, the divided mind of the black church, a wonderful book about the piety of the black church and the social activism of the black church. And in that book, the uh, author was talking a little bit about Martin Luther King and King's legacy. And back in 1956, King was experiencing over 40 death threats per day to his life. And in what many Christian historians refer to as the kitchen counter experience that King had, his uh, transformation of the faith based on what it was that he needed to do to encounter God, much of it had to do with taking what he was deeply, deeply in fear of and handing it off over to God. And when he did that, to quote Paul, his heart and mind was guarded in Christ Jesus went on to do some powerful ministry, but part of that ministry came when he was first willing to hand it over, all that was creating anxiety. And then and only then could he walk forth in peace.
was considering a bit further this week everything that was happening in the Middle East. And uh, Frederick Buechner, a wonderful Christian author, used to always say that good preaching is about taking the Bible and putting it into, co- into conversation with what's in the newspaper. And I was thinking about Paul's words to the church in Philippi to hand off whatever was bothering them over to God and thinking about it as it related to uh, the international scenario in the Middle East. And I got to thinking more and I finally arrived at what I sense is an amazing example of peace in the scripture as it relates to the history of Israel. It's in 2 Kings chapter 18, and it is about an Israelite king. His name was King Hezekiah. And in that narrative of God's people of of old in the Hebrew Bible, King Hezekiah received a very, very threatening letter, letter from a neighboring king in Assyria. And the letter was very threatening, not only to King Hezekiah personally, but to his people. Then the danger that was going to come about if King Hezekiah didn't listen to what it was that this Assyrian king wanted to come about in the nation of Israel. And King Hezekiah was very anxious about it. And you know what King Hezekiah did? King Hezekiah walked into the temple and he spread out that letter before God and prayed this prayer. God Almighty, resting between cherubim, I want you to know that you are the God of all people and all nations. Receive this letter. And do you know what God did? God blessed King Hezekiah and his kingdom with a peace that surpassed all understanding. In all of our feelings of helplessness about what is going on in the world, in all of our desire to do what we need to do and say what we need to say and to take action where we need to take action, and there is much, there is also that need perhaps to take what we cannot control, an outcome that we cannot achieve on our own, and hand it over to God in prayer. And what if, what if in all of that, God mysteriously provides a peace for us and for our world that truly surpasses and transcends all understanding? I'll close this morning with a personal story about Philippians 4, something that happened to me almost 15 plus years ago. I recall conducting a memorial service at Fort Sam Houston Cemetery, which is right outside of San Antonio, Texas. And it's a cemetery where um, uh, uh, burials uh, happen. And I was uh, assistant minister of a church out in San Antonio, and there was a service that I was conducting. And Fort Sam Houston is one of the hottest places in the entire universe. And the military are there for the military honors at these committal services are all dressed in uh, their formal military uniforms. So ministerial speaking, it, you know, you want to dress in a suit or, or in a robe. And I had been dressed in a suit uh, on a July afternoon, conducted this memorial service underneath a pavilion. There was one starting at 2. That was mine. There was another one starting at 2.30, which was a service that was going to be conducted by a Lutheran priest. And, and I came back after conducting 
conducting my service, and I got back to the parking lot, and there was the Lutheran priest outside of his car, and his face was just bright as a tomato. And I said, is everything okay? And he said, no, everything is not okay. My service is starting in seven minutes, and I have locked my keys in the car with all of my liturgy and eulogy. And I said, oh my goodness, how can I help you? And there we were, two pathetic preachers trying to break into a Ford Taurus. We're trying to break in to get his eulogy. We're trying to break in to get his his liturgy. And all of a sudden, I see the widow coming from over where the pavilion was to see what was going on. Because there was 50, 60 people gathered in this pavilion. And the service time, it it was about ready to start. And she walks over to him and she said, Father, is it okay? And he said, nope. I locked my keys in the car with all of my worship liturgy and eulogy. This is just totally out of my hands. And the widow took a deep breath and she put her hand on his shoulder. And I will never forget what she shared back with him in her moment of grief. She said to him, you know, Father, you're right. This is out of your hands. It's out of all our hands. And that might be the most reassuring and peaceful message I'll hear today. As you depart this place and return to the world, you are bound to encounter so much that will make your heart restless. Hand it over to God in prayer. But first, a benediction. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warmly on your face. May the rain fall softly on your fields. And until we all meet again, may the Lord Jesus Christ hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. Go in peace.